Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Down the blind, Andrew John. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle and won. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Now hopefully we've got ourselves a Guru exclusive here. I have managed to track down the South Sydney Phantom, the man that has been getting around South Sydney, appearing on doorsteps, appearing on driveways, South Sydney emblems being spray-painted all over South Sydney in the lead-up to the grand final. You will remember the Phantom. He actually made his first appearance in 2014. People in the local area will remember this. It caused absolute chaos, and he's returned seven years later. Now, I've managed to get his phone number, I think. I haven't spoken to him yet, but I've managed to get his phone number, and the, the anonymous source I've managed to get it from has given me a little bit of background information on him as well. So I'm about to bring him in. We're about to call him. This is all live. I've got no idea how this is going to go, but we will see how it goes. This is reportedly Phantom. Hello? Have I got the Phantom here? Um, yes, yes, you do. I've, I've been how told you, uh... by someone somewhat reliable that I've managed to get the Phantom on here, mate. Well, your your mail is pretty good. Yes, yes, that's correct. I'm uh, sitting here in my cave, trying to disclose my identity and keep that secret. But so well done, mate. It looks like it's been one hell of a week for you, just quietly. Uh, yeah, look, I'm, I'm not getting any younger. Um, it's been a it's been a long road to get here, but um, you know, one final push uh, this week should uh, should see us through. So yes, it has been, but it's a it's a fun time. Now, mate, obviously the Phantom, from what I've gathered, this all kicked off all the way back in 2014, grand final week. Is it the same Phantom? Are there copycat killers out there? What is the go? Hasn't, um, I, yeah, good question. I, there, there hasn't, uh, as far as I know, been a whole hell of a lot of, uh, of copycatters. Um, you know, people are obviously doing their own things, and, and that's tremendous. That's to be encouraged. Um, but, but yes, uh, the Phantom um, did arise in, in 2014. Um, I, my recollection is uh, we'd, uh, we'd beat the Roosters uh, in the uh, preliminary final. Uh, we had a, a hell of a night celebrating that, and, and that was a tremendous night for, for, for you know, long-starved uh, South Sydney fans. That was um, a fantastic time. But, um, you know, the next day, having awoken, um, realising that we were in the grand final, um, was really the genesis of the idea of what can we do? What can we do um, to support our rabbits uh, through that grand final week? Because many people, my vintage, of course, um, uh, hadn't experienced the grand final week uh, in, in person per se. Um, it was something that was new to us all. Um, and I very much wanted to um, wanted to do something, um, I guess, to keep my mind busy. So I'm getting nervous you know, in the lead up to game time. And, it, and it's sort of morphed into what is now um, you know, turning into quite an industry, I think. And before we get to the local legend that is the South Sydney Phantom, which has just taken South Sydney by storm seven years ago, but now with the help of social media and everything, it has just gone batshit crazy. I guess I want to know who the Phantom is, and I got your contact number off someone, as I said, they don't want to reveal themselves, but I was I was given strict instructions that you would not reveal 
who you are, where you're from, anything like that. But, mate, I want to know, who is the South Sydney fan behind the Phantom? I mean, were you... I, I often refer to the South Sydney Railroads as almost like a cult. Were you born into it? Were you brought into it? What's the story? Uh, yeah, I, I, I really didn't have any choice. So I'm going to talk, tread carefully, so as not to disclose, um, you know, some information um, to give away my identity. But, but yeah, look, I, I was born in a... In a part of the world where it was, you know, you, you vote Labor, you drive Holdens, and you follow the rabbits. Um, so that was very much drilled into me. My my father was um, um, a tremendous South fan. I can remember, um, uh, you know, people of my vintage. I was born in '64, so um, you know, the leading up to sort of five and six years, seven years of age, um, South were a very successful club. I can, I, you know, I have vague memories of that. Um, remember watching the. Uh, the 70 grand final on a black and white TV um, at a neighbour's house, um, only because we didn't have a TV ourselves. Um, so, you know, South were a very successful club. Um, and, you know, through that time was, was where it really became ingrained. Not a lot of people remember, of course, that, that South were decimated uh, in the early 70s, um, actually went into liquidation. Um, There's football. Um, Redfern there, which used to be across the road from Redfern Oval, uh, went into receivership. And, you know, there's a chance even way back then that we wouldn't be able to field the team. So um, the club was pretty poorly run and, and they organised, you know, chook raffles and charity concerts at Redfern Oval. I can remember being dragged out by my parents to Redfern Oval on a, on a uh, one night to sit in the grandstand with maybe 500 other people and watch Don Lane perform. Um, in order to raise funds to try and support the club and keep them uh, out of liquidation. So, you know, that was when I was maybe eight or ten. Um, and, of course, from that point on, South uh, weren't particularly successful for a very long stretch. So, you know, I have vague recollections of success in the, in the sort of 70, 71 period. Uh, many of our players left and went over to Manly, which, uh, which is maybe a story for another day. And then we had a long period of, of you know really really tough times where it was uh, where it was hard to sort of motivate yourself to to keep following them but um, you know like many thousands of people um, we just didn't give up so yeah and mate I, I guess you know from my perspective obviously being a little bit younger and the vast majority of my listeners being a bit longer younger you know we've grown up the South Sydney Rabbitohs they're a team over the last ten years that. They've been in a prelim final every single year. They've won a premiership in the last 10 years. It's hard to do. They're able to get absolute stars of the game to come to the club. Obviously, it wasn't always like that, especially when you were growing up. And that really is the foundations that South Sydney, the club, and the people are built on. I mean, I know you love your underdog tags. Yes. Yes, we do. Um, you know, we're, we're just we're just a bunch of people from Struggle Street, South Sydney, is, uh, is what I like to say. You know, um, we were there when the game was was started and, you know, we'll be there when the game, if it ever finishes. But, um, but yes, we, 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 we did have tough times and, you know, the club turned around, I think, um, you know, in, in the mid sort of early 2000s, um, having come back from, um, from being exiled um, by Super League. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, that mid 2000s period is really when it started turning around. But, yeah, I take your point. You know, there's a lot of... Um, younger South supporters who, who, who are used to success, you know, consecutive preliminary final appearances and a grand final in 14. Um, but, yeah, that wasn't always the case. Yeah, Mate, uh, I guess before we do get into a little bit more of your history, I've got to ask, uh, on the other side of Anzac Parade, uh, there's another reasonably successful football club over there. How does the Phantom feel about them? Um, yeah. Sorry, who, what are they called again? I've just, uh, the name's uh, just escaped me. The Chooks over there, be... mate. Roosters, yes, yes. The uh, the eastern, oh, the eastern suburbs roosters, or they the Sydney City roosters. Change their name all the time, don't they? They can't work it out. They're, they're just, um, yeah, they're flip floppers. Yes, um, you know, look, we've got uh, limited uh, respect for our for our neighbours there. Um, there's been some turf wars and some battles over the time, and um, but they're worthy opponents. Um, but yes, I'm sure. I think they are the Sydney roosters. I'm just thinking about it now. Hmm. Mate, take me back to your early days. Who was the first rabbit that you fell in love with? Oh, gee. Um, I was a little blessed. I'll, I'll tell you a bit of a story. This might, uh, I hope this doesn't expose me too far, but um, the street in which I lived, in which I lived as a kid, um, lucky enough, we were lucky enough to have um, a guy called John O'Neill live in our street. Uh, John O'Neill and his wife, Claire, uh, and their three daughters. Um, John was a builder back then. 
Um, so John O'Neill lived in our street, um, and as I say, he um, he was part of South seventy seventy one. I think he went over to Manly, perhaps seventy two seventy three. Um, that wasn't a great time, but um, but yeah, having um, having seen John, you know, in real life, was probably the, the first footballer I ever sort of seen that wasn't on the football field. Got to know him, uh, got to know his family. Um, so he was the first guy. I, I think he came back to coach house actually. I think maybe in seventy, late seventy, seventy seven, something like that. And um, you know, because we built a relationship, he'd often he often um, you know tell me and the old man to pop around to the dressing room after the game and come and say get over the boys. So I got to go in into the dressing rooms, into the inner sanctum, and um, you know meet some of the players back then. Yes, um, so probably John O'Neill, I think, is the first um, the first real time big time footballer. And John was a star. I mean, played you know, played for South, played for Manly, played for Australia. Um, you know, one of the toughest men. He was a builder. Uh, you know, I can I can still remember him walking around in his in his sort of South gear after training, and then he'd be off the next day in his builder's outfit in his truck. Um, yeah, yeah, good times. And mate, I guess that's another little throwback that the younger listeners would have no idea and wouldn't understand at all. I mean, imagine if, you know, Cam Murray, he lived down the road and he would go into South Street and the next day he, you know, he had his tradie kit on. It's just, it's a thing from the past that we will never see again that is just unreal yeah. to think about. It was a different time, um, you know, and it's good to think back and reminisce, um, but, you know, the world's changed and, you know, life moves on and, you know, um, but the, the guys today, I don't suggest they're any less tough than the guys, uh, you know, of, of that vintage that I'm talking about, John O'Neill and, you know, George Kiggins, what a legend of the club. And, um, you know, we wouldn't be here if not for George. But, you know, they were tough guys and, you know, the current players are equally as tough. Um, but they, they, you're right, they, they are able to focus purely on the sport of it, uh, which I think is for the betterment of the game. Um, but, yeah, they, it's really not a knock on today's players that they're any less tough. Uh, it was just a different time. Mate, what's your earliest memory of actually going to a game? Is it is it at Redfern Oval? Is it a finals game at the SCG? Where might it be, mate? Um, look, there, there would be numerous, and you know, my old mind, um, the old Phantoms mind. Um, I, 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 it would have been a game at Redfern Oval for sure. I went to many games, so, you know, with, with, with my dad. I can remember my mum making a big South flag uh, out of materials, um, you know, putting on a big stick and walking into Redfern Oval. Um, I do recall a South, um, a South Manly game. Terry Randall played uh, for Manly. Um, uh, South won that day. I remember it being a thriller. I couldn't tell you what year or what the score was, but I do remember leaving the ground with my flag and the old man, and it was you know, a real sense of achievement. Um, so that that was um, a particularly early memory. Perhaps a little later, um, there was a thing that the, the New South Wales Rugby League at the time did. They um, they used to have a league-a-thon, uh, which was uh, three first-grade games um, at the same ground on one afternoon. It was a bit like Magic Round is, but, but, but only three games. Um, so I remember going out to the SCG, blaring hot sun, you know, which was um, – sometimes the case in, in, in winter in Sydney and, and sitting there for, you know, seven, eight hours, um, getting into the ground, sitting on the old SBG Hill, uh, watching South Bay East, um, Balmain played West, and there was another game that I, I, I really can't think of. But that was a big day. That was, um, you know, for someone who loves rugby league, loves the sport, I'd love to have been able to play it myself. I, I tried. Uh, I knew what needed to be done. I just didn't, didn't have the requisite skills. To Preaching be able to, to the do choir, it. Um, don't worry. Preaching to the <laughs> yeah. choir. Um, so that was a particularly early memory, mate. So yeah, you know the games at Redfern. I can remember, um, you know, families would go out from from the local area together. Uh, you know, there'd be blankets put on the hill, um, and, and you know, you were looking into the sun, of course, back then at Redfern, because um, um, you know the hillside where the scoreboard was looked west. So it was a pretty tough afternoon at Redfern Oval, uh, but it, it was one for the. You know, one for the stalwarts, one for the rusted on supporters, yeah. And, mate, oh, I guess, you know, the, the younger listeners, when you say Redfern Oval, they're picturing the state of art Redfern Oval we know now with a 10 out of 10 cafe, a basketball court over in the corner, <laughs> fantastic seating. I mean, the Redfern that mm. I remember as a kid playing junior footy there, you had the red and green seats all over the place. They, they might have been the most uncomfortable seats this side of the planet <laughs> just quietly. You had the hill... <laughs> Wrapping it around, there was more dirt than grass on the field. Explain to us your memories of what you remember Redfern Oval looking like, mate. Um, look, I, I mean, it had a picket fence. My memory is that it had a picket fence. And there were times, um, you know, when money was a bit tight. And, and, you know, some of the kids that had trooped along with their parents, 
you know, the odd the odd fence paling was uh, was 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 removed in order to get some some other people into the ground. Um, so it was a very different looking ground. Um, the whole area, in fact, uh, you know, those terrace houses to the to the south, um, the park to the north, and of course, Eric Stins, um, you know, another favourite of mine. Um, legend, you know, used to kick the ball. The legend was that he. He'd, he'd get um, family members and friends to wait in uh, Redfern Park at the northern end of Redfern Oval, knowing that he'd kick uh, kick goals and or field goals. He'd, but he'd kick the ball so well, he'd kick it into the park, and, he, and his friends and uh, family would nick the footy. Um, <laughs> that was I'm not sure that's been confirmed ever, but um, that may well have been the case. So you made it was a very different looking ground. The old I think it was the Reg Cope Grandstand, you know, a big concrete monolith, but. You know, for all it's worth, I don't know. You maybe got a couple of hundred people in there, but they were prized seats. If you could get, a, if you could get a seat in the Regcope Sand, looking east towards the uh, towards the scoreboard, towards the the, um, the housing commission flats there at Waterloo, looking over the ground. Um, gee, what a what a place to be uh, when it was full red from the seating. Um, you know, the, the trip home in the car, or you know, as 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 I became sort of older, we were allowed to sort of get on the bus up Botany Road on the three hundred nine and. Um, go and watch the game ourselves, uh, organise ourselves, and then the trip home on the bus was, um, you know, just fantastic if, uh, if South had won that day. Good times. And, mate, obviously you, you mentioned South Sydney during that time. But they were pretty successful. I mean, if we're going to tell the story of South Sydney, I think 1989 has to get a feature. I believe you're minor premiers that year. And, unfortunately, mm. I, you, you know better than me, but I, I, I think you go out in straight sets that year. Do we do? Yes, yes, you're spot on. Your mail's very good. Uh, um, yeah, I think we we lost to we lost to Balmain. That was at the SFS. Uh, I was there with uh, with my dad, who's, who's not with us any longer. Uh, of course, I mean, you know, it was a special time for us too because we hadn't um, had a lot of success. So he and I hadn't seen a lot of semi final games. So it was a big year, '89. Um, we were minor premiers, but a fantastic team. You know, Chisholm, Benick, uh, Roberts. Ian Roberts, what a player. What a, what a bunny Ian Roberts is. You know, mascot. Well, he's actually a botany junior, played for mascot. You know, worked his way up. I, th- I think he played first grade, uh, you know, straight out of B grade South Sydney local comp. Um, he's a couple of years younger than me. Just an outstanding footballer with him. Uh, Bundy Davidson, um, Targa Coleman. Great side, but... Um, you know, won the minor premiership. I, I you know, I, I wish back then I had applied the same level of juju and good luck and started painting rabbits on the road back then, actually, thinking about it. Had I done that, we might have been more successful. But yeah, we, I think we got done by Balmain and then we got done the following week by um, by Canberra. I'm pretty sure my memory's right there. Because we, I think we had played a semi a couple of years prior, maybe 87. At the SCG, yeah, I think, uh, and that might have been the infamous Steve Maven. Steve Maven got uh, got hooked after a couple of minutes, and that game was against Canberra as well. It was I a bad day to be Mavo just quietly. Yeah, <laughs> Shocking day. Yeah, yeah, mate. There's a word that you just mentioned, or well, two words, I guess. But uh, and when I got my source to give me your number, they said ask him about Juju, and Juju was in capital letters. What on earth does that mean? Um, well, juju, um, juju is um, it's a sentiment. It's a it's a spell. It's an anti spell. Um, it's a word that's used to describe a sequence of things that bring you good luck. So if there are if there are habits, if there are things that you do, um, and you do those things in a particular order, um, those things uh, more often than not uh, will bring you the outcome you want. Um, so that's what juju means. At least that's what it, at least that's what it means for me. Um, so yes, I, I, I tend to observe certain rituals uh, on game day and at particular times of the year. And I've tried to uh, drive people, uh, you know, in my family and my friends. I've tried to drive them as crazy as I can by making them comply to these strange rituals as well. Under the heading of, look, don't worry. I know it's an effort, but uh, you know it'll be good juju for us. Um, Explain to me then this Sunday. They're obviously playing in the uh, 2021 Grand Final. When you wake up, what are some things that you will do that day that, in your mind, will deliver good juju for the bunnies? Um, there's a, there's an early morning text message um, as early, you know, when, when I say early, this is, you know, up past five in the morning on, on, on game days. Um, and that text message list is uh, extensive. It started off as, uh, you know, a couple of family members that I liked to annoy early in the morning by sending them a, a text, a game day text. And that list is now pretty extensive. So I'm now waking up, you know, half of South Sydney 
on game day morning, and, and so that's a ritual that I'll observe this um, uh, this grand final day. Um, other game day rituals, uh, no different from grand final day. There'll be some some physical activity, uh, you know, a bit of a bit of a run and a, a walk by the water, walk the dogs. Um, underpants selection um, is important, so you don't want to wear your game day. Uh, you don't want to wear your actual game undies too early. Uh, on game day, so there's a change of attire. I like to observe. Uh, I like to observe that. Um, yeah, so they're, they're probably the big callouts. I would say, um, you know, physical activity, uh, texting and annoying people, and underpants selection. Uh, that, that they're pretty key to my game day ritual, and, and I'll observe those uh, those habits this grand final day. Mate, imagine the whole of South Sydney listening to this right now who are puzzled working out who you are and then they find out that you've got a strategic plan around your underwear that you wear at the game. I mean, people have got you mm. pinned as some sort of mastermind. <laughs> They're in for a bit of disappointment, aren't they? <laughs> yes. they, they? They could well be disappointed. Uh, yes, yes, you're right. Um, <laughs> yes, the, the, the legend may exceed reality. Mm. Mate, going from 1989, minor premiers, uh, unreal season, Let's fast forward 10 years and, uh, you know, probably some of the darkest days in South Sydney history. Tell me about those times. Yeah, so where are we now? We're at 99, 2000. Yeah, but, you know, the lead up, the mid-90s was, was terrible. I mean, it became clear, it became obvious for everybody that South, uh, you know, South had a target on them. We were we were not long for this world. Um, you know, the, the evil forces of News Limited, News Corp, um, and the NRL as it was back then, um, it was the Super League split. Um, Super League didn't want us. Um, we stayed loyal, but it was obvious to us, you know, mid nineties, us, us keen South people, that uh, that we were going to be hit on the head and put out of the comp, um, and that came to fruition. Um, I think at the end of ninety nine, um, there was a big march in ninety nine that I dragged my uh, my family and children along to. Um, I remember uh, arguing, you know. Participating in the march, uh, we didn't march all the way from Redfern, but um, stood outside um, the city of Sydney town hall, um, opposite Woolies there, um, and and heard people speak. Um, it was sad times. We were we were out of the comp, I think, for two seasons. Um, I lost a bit of faith in the game. I've got to say, certainly lost a lot of passion. It mattered little to me who won and who lost. Um, you know, we really thought that something had been taken away from us, and 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 quite unfairly. And you know, as it turned out, um, that was the case. We we were ruled to have been treated unfairly, and and then reinstated, I think, in two thousand and two. But um, yeah, that whole nineties period was um, was pretty sad. You know, there were some some tough times um, remaining a member, trying to sort of find a way to give the club some support by maintaining season ticketed membership. And but there were horrible results. You know, there were horrible days um, out of the SFS. Um, getting flogged, you know, mercilessly flogged. Um, it may have been at the SFS, it may have been at Telstra Stadium, but I can remember um, the Warriors beat a 60 stocks to nil. Um, <laughs> you know, and, 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 you know, my children who were, you know, sort of 10 young teenagers at the time, they wanted to leave after 20 minutes, but I said to them, no, no, look, we're going to we're going to tough this out. I made them stay the whole 80 minutes, and I made them stay and clap the team off the field. Um and I said, look, it'll be okay. You know, we'll get over this and this will build character and you'll look back on this day as, um, you know, something that, that something that was a tough time that we went through. Um, they hated me for it at the time. I think they've forgiven me now. Um, but, yeah, that, that late 90s period and the couple of years we were in exile, um, very, very tough times. Mate, you mentioned that day, uh, the march into the city. And for me, I think it's one of my, one of my favourite rugby league images, uh, that wide shot of the march. And... Mate, you can see just about every single jersey in the NRL featuring in that picture. And, you know, I, I imagine for yourself, um, you know, the idea of trying to help another football team would be just a nightmare. But the amount of supporters from other clubs, I mean, you can even see a couple of Roosters jerseys in that picture. I mean, it really does sum up what South Sydney means to rugby league, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does. And, but, but, you know, at the same time, it, it, it wasn't necessarily... Um, as you say, it's our Sydney thing. I, I think there were parts of society and certainly other clubs that felt hard done by. Um, you know, clubs were forced to merge, Balmain and West, and, you know, St. George and Illawarra, whilst, whilst that might have been a, a comfortable merger or, or, or a less messy merger, um, you know, I'm not sure that's led to results either. So I think there was a groundswell that um, the game was being taken away from the people as opposed to South Sydney being taken out of the comp. 
Uh, but but honestly, it was a you know tremendous um, accolades to, to people from other clubs. There were Balmain people, there were Manly, and as you say, there were even Roosters people supporting us. Um, but certainly, you know, Balmain West, Newcastle um, came to the party. There were you know colours and, and jerseys from all sorts of teams at that march, and it was really. Um, really a revolt against um, a big corporation trying to own something that I think the majority of people uh, would prefer to remain more or less in, in, in the hands of the community. And uh, it was a good time. Good time. Good times and bad times. Bad times being out, but good to see the way um, the community, especially the community, but also the wider rugby league community, uh, you know, fought the good fight. Mate, did you watch rugby league during that time when the Rabbitohs weren't in the competition? I mean, what did your Saturdays and Sundays look like? They were pretty sad. I, I remember renovating the, the cave in which the Phantom lived. Um, I spent a lot of time in that cave, um, you know, imagining a time when I could get back to rugby league and, and get back to, you know, religiously buy, buying rugby league week and reading the papers and watching as many talk shows as I could uh, on the game. I did lose that sort of connection with it. I watched, Mate, I watched the odd game. Um, alcohol consumption went up through that period. Um, but, um, you know, that thankfully it's, it's it's becoming an increasingly distant memory um life without rugby league yeah mate rugby league returns to south sydney in 2002 and the, the rabbitohs their first game back is the charity shield against the dragons are uh, were you there on that night uh yep yes I, I i took the liberty of organizing um organizing a whole heap of tickets perhaps you know 15 or 20 of us um friends and family and we we, we went out there together um lined up to get into the SFS. Um, it was a great day. Um, I remember the jumper I wore. My oldest daughter was on my shoulders and um, um, there was a part that I think we even made um, the back page of or, or the inner the inner back page of the telly or the mirror. No, the telly. The next day we were in the back of shot. Um, me and the, with my daughter on my shoulders uh, with our South kid on uh, ready to return. Um, but a great night. Um, I'm not sure the result went our way from memory, uh, but it was just great at that time to be recognised that we, you know, we were back playing rugby league. And of course, that night, mate, uh, a good friend of the po- podcast, Darren Brown, co-host of Rabbitohs Radio, he'll be on the podcast later this week to talk about the bunnies. But he was uh, he was running the water that night, and an even bigger celebrity on on the sideline. Do you remember who the touchy was that evening? <laughs> no, no, I can't say that I do. Who who would that have been? Roosters a... legend Phil Gould. Unreal scenes. Phil Gould ran the flag, did he? Yeah, I, I think at one point there was a uh, there was a stink in that game, and uh, and Gus <laughs> and Gus came running on to I give his little piece, and it was uh, he came he ran on for no other reason than to say to the referee, <laughs> I think the ref said to him, "What are you doing out here?" And and Gus said, "I'm just here to support you. I've got your back." <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And then I remember him running off the field with his hands in the air. <laughs> the crowd erupted. Oh, <laughs> unreal scenes. Yeah. Mate, that was 2002. You're back in the competition. Obviously, 02, 03, you know, those early years, uh, not overly pretty for the South Sydney Rabbitohs, but uh, two names that come up over the next few years. Uh, you've obviously got Peter Holmes at court and Russell Crowe. Tell me about this time in South Sydney's history. Mm. Yeah, it was a bit of upheaval here. Um, I mean, it's all sorted, you know, these days, as I understand, but it was it was a, a bit of a, a, you know, a potential fracture in the club there were the traditionalists you know with George who had led us back to back to reinstatement um, you know George was in charge when when Garlo came back to South in 98 99 we had a pretty good side back then we had tricky Trindle and um, you know I think there was an incident in 98 99 we were in contention for the semis and I think Tricky got suspended for a high tackle and, and that sort of scene, seen us, you know, fall out of the eight and play our last game in 99. So, you know, George had led us through the recovery, um, but there was, you know, a feeling, a feeling that in the early 2000s, the club needed to be more professionally led. The world was changing. Um, footy was changing and we probably needed to change with it. And what we didn't want to do was make the same mistakes we'd made in the, the early 70s you know, when we got stuck in the past and stuck doing what we've always done. So, you know, Russell and Peter came in. There was a very close vote of uh, the football club members out at um, Telstra Stadium at Homebush. I think we needed 75% of the vote to hand over ownership to Russell and Peter. And I think we got 75.5. It was, you know, it came down to a handful of votes. 
Um, uh, but that really was the start of something special. Uh, they, they appointed Graham Richardson. You know, we very quickly made some key signings. Roy Asatasi, I think, was, you know, the key one in that area. You know, someone that you could build a club around. I think he came to us from Canterbury. And I remember watching him as a South fan at Canterbury and thinking, gee, what if we'll ever have that quality of player at the Bunnies? And, and, you know, a few years later, he was with us. And, you know, that was the genesis, really, of the rebuild. And, mate, I mean, that's just where it starts. I mean, names like Mick Crocker, Kidwell, Peachy, Wesser. I mean, these are guys that, mate, you guys couldn't even, you know, like they wouldn't have even answered your calls four years no, before this. Yeah. It was a dream. Yes, you're right. Um, you know, it's a bit like some clubs today can't, just can't, no matter how much money they've got, sign quality players. And we were very much in that boat. Um, you know, and had that vote in those sticks gone a different way, um, South probably wouldn't ended up with those sorts of quality players. But it was, you know, for, for South people to see star, you know, really the, the cream of the crop, keen to come and play for our team was, was outstanding. And, you know, none more so than, of course, you know, arguably the greatest player to ever play for South, uh, Greg Inglis. Um, can't remember when he actually came to us, but, um, you know, to, just just to have uh, him and, you know, Sam Burgess and the Burgess brothers, um, again, outstanding. So, yeah, good times. Um, yeah. Just touching on Greg Inglis there, mate. Um, now, I, I, I think it's one of the more underrated moments in South Sydney history because it's got nothing to do with them, but... 2010, the Melbourne Storm, they get done for their salary cap issues. Uh, they have to let go of a heap of guys. Uh, Brett White, he ends up at the Canberra Raiders. Finchie has to leave. Um, Greg Inglis, though, he's another guy that they decided to keep the big three, which meant that they had to let go of some other guys. And Inglis was one guy that left. And, of course, he arrives on the doorstep of the South Sydney Rabbitohs. And for me, I think it is a massive turning point in your club's history. Uh, I, I don't think you get to 2014 without GI and... I've I've been made aware that there's a story behind this. Apparently, you met GI one night and uh, made a bit of your of a goose of yourself. <laughs> I did, I did, I did. Your, your mail. Um, I'm not sure who you've been speaking to. I've got a couple of candidates that I'll be talking to after this call. <laughs> but um, yeah, there was a. I met Greg Inglis once. I had been lucky enough to to get some tickets to the recording of a a pretty new football show as it was back then. I think it was called The Game Plan and it, it, it aired on, uh, at the time, the free-to-air stations were kicking off their second channels. Um, it was a channel, I can't remember what the second channel was called, but but this show called The Game Plan was hosted by Andrew Moore, who'd um, you know, been a pretty prominent commentator uh, of rugby league. Um, it was recorded at uh, some studios at Piedmont, as I recall. I think Steve Roach was uh, the co-panellist. Anyway, I got tickets to go to this night's recording, uh, so I took my my, my then um, you know sort of twelve year old son uh, with me, and we sat in the audience. Um, and the big attraction that night was that Greg Inglis was uh, the, the special guest on the show. Um, anyway, we got to the studios and sat in the crowd and watched the recording. And then, as the show went on, and Greg did his stint on the panel, um, there was then a couple of commercial breaks later that they said, "Look, if you come down." come down and line up and you'll get to meet Greg and shake his hand. Um, so, so we did that. Um, I think I was last in line um, with my son um, and Greg was there, you know, very personal, shaking everyone's hand. I was sort of in the line thinking about what I might say to him. Um, and when it became our turn to, to, to see and touch the great man, my son, he shook my son's hand and I put my hand out to shake his and, what I wanted to say was, uh, look, Greg, I, I just love what you've done for the club. Um, but instead, what came out was, uh, look, Greg, I just love you. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, Greg. You Greg, put yourself uh, on a, a watch taken, list. <laughs> he was a little taken aback, I must say. I'm not sure he gets that every day. Um, so, yeah, that was one of the more awkward moments. So I, you know, slunk back to my seat. My son was terribly embarrassed. <laughs> And, and those that were around, um, you know, there was <laughs> tremendous laughter and smirking. Yeah, yeah pretty embarrassing. <laughs> Mate, obviously, uh, after Greg Inglis recovered from that rattling experience, he went on uh, to play a critical role in that 2014 grand final. And it's funny, when you look back at that 2014 grand final, there's so many moments leading up to it. There's, you know, Michael Maguire arriving. There's Sam Burgess arriving. There's his brothers coming. There's all these local juniors in 
you know, Reynolds, Alex Johnson, Dylan Walker, John Sutton, all these guys just go to a new level. Yeah. It was like a giant puzzle piece that all just came together at the exact right time. You had that prelim really final good. against the Roosters, and it's probably the moment that I'll always remember. Ben Teo comes on the field, and he gives away a penalty. He pretty much picks up James Maloney and ragdolls him, and I think it just showed <laughs> that moment that South Sydney, yeah. yeah, they just said, we've got no respect for you. We're going to do a number on you here, and it really summed up who the Rabbitohs were in 2014. Well, it's a good shout. It was, um, you know, the other guy in that list, of course, is, you know, Isaac Luke, who, who just came to us out of the blue. Uh, you know, one of the toughest little men. You know, I, I, I regard, you know, Tuvi probably as the greatest tough little man that I've ever seen play. But, you know, Isaac Luke is right up there with him. There was, um, he, you know, he, he, he filled out as his career went on. But when he first came to us, he was um, relatively small. But, gee, he did hit. And I think that night, if I'm not mistaken, that's that's when he um, he ended up getting suspended. I think for a tackle on Sonny Bill Williams. I think I'm right in saying that was um, that was that game. Um, and then he had to, of course, sit out the grand final. And Appy Coruscant played for us. Um, and again, you know what a great footballer Appy Coruscant is. But um, gee, Isaac Luke's done great thing for us. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the juniors as well because you know bringing in seasoned professionals of you know the, the, the caliber of Inglis and others. Um, really, I think, did bring out the best in, you know, Sutton and Reynolds and, um, as you say, Alex Johnson. Some of those juniors, because, you know, South has always been a, a development club that developed a whole heap of juniors. Um, but, yeah, I'm not sure we've seen the best of them until there was that right mix. You know, Maguire's um, discipline approach, the mix of seasoned, uh, seasoned professional footballers along with some, you know, really sturdy juniors. Um, I mean, John Sutton never played better football. Um, than through the course of that year, and I think we were, I think we were down in that in that semi against um, against the Sydney City Roosters, the Sydney City Roosters, um, and I think we were down ten or twelve nil. And um, you know, I remember people in the crowd near us saying, "Look, um, you know, they're not going to let us take this. They're a proud club, the Roosters, and um, and they're a good football team at the time. They, they're not going to let us take this. Uh, we're going to have to go and get it, um, and we did. We went and got it. And I think Mitchell Pearce. I remember him doing up Adam Reynolds in the corner at the. At the I end was of the just ground. about to say this. Call this was scrum. the turning yeah. point. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think I recall him saying uh, he was in he was in earshot of where we were sitting at the at the ground at the time, and um, there was a delay in play. It might have been a penalty or a scrum was forming, and Pierce said to Reynolds, "Stop choking! Stop choking! You're choking! You're choking!" And uh, yeah, that was it. Was it was pleasing in the end to think back on that moment because we did. We stopped choking. We did what he said and we went and got um, the victory we deserved. So, yeah, interesting times. And it's interesting to look back at that moment too. Obviously, you know, Mitchell Pearce by that point, he'd probably already played 100 first grade games. People forget that was only Adam Reynolds' second season in the NRL. He was the he was the rookie of the year in 2013. To do what he did at such a young age is, is incredible. Yeah, I, I, I mean, was, you know... It's interesting you mention that because you know it was the end of end of the world for a lot of South supporters when Chris Sando went to Parramatta, which is the reason I think that uh, that Rene got his got his start. Um, so yeah, yeah, a couple of good halfbacks there. And mate, obviously after you beat the Roosters, and this is sort of where the uh, where the phantom story comes together. Now I believe it's the day after that prelim final. Uh, you've got seven days until. Uh, the t- the 2014 NRL Grand Final, and this is when I'm told the Phantom was born. Uh, hit me with the narrative, mate. How did it come about? It was really the next day, recovering from you know quite a few ales the night before, celebrating the victory, and um, you know perhaps um, in in that hungover state, you, you, you make some poor decisions. So I started sort of decorating the house. I started by painting red uh, painting red stripes onto my 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 freshly mowed uh, front green lawn. And then I thought, gee, what 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 that lacks is a what that lacks is a bunny. Um, so I got a couple of conscripts, um, some helpers, and we fashioned a we fashioned a bunny stencil out of an old sheet, and uh, used white spray paint to, to spray the bunny on the lawn. And we thought, well, that's good, that's good, but it's not uh, it's really not perfect. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So we needed to get a bit more serious. So there was a trip to the hardware store and some, um, you know, some, some decent paint was purchased. There were thoughts about how we could make the stencil a bit more sturdy. Um, and, uh, and we did. So we went through a couple of prototypes of, uh, of the rabbit stencil, tested them out on the, uh, on the road out the front of my house. And they really came up quite well. And before you knew it, you know, people were sort of driving past saying, Oh gee, uh, where do you get one of those uh, rabbits? And of course at that time I didn't want to disclose uh, my identity for fear that, uh, you know, I was breaking perhaps um, a few local government rules or, you know, perhaps uh, some of the New South Wales police rules. So, I said, look, I, I don't know where, where, where they came from, but um, I, I, I may know who's doing it. I'll put in a good word for you. Um, and the legend grew from there. We, we, we started calling it um, Rabbitohs Road to Glory, you know, thinking that we could put rabbits on the road and lead us to glory. But then the phantom concept came up of, um, you know, these, this, this, this um, skinny old bloke with a, with a big guff running around uh, in the dark of night planting rabbits in strategic parts of, uh, of the locale. Um, so mate, that's where it came from and it, it's developed into really quite a, you know, it's, it's the type of thing these days that, that makes you feel good, it keeps you young. It, 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 in my mind, it brings, um, you know, the community together. Um, you know, and it, it just gives the whole area a bit of a, a bit of a good feel, a common purpose and a shared goal. It's, it's really quite, um, in quite a privileged position. It's a lot of hard work being the phantom. Um, but I've got to say the COVID masks help uh, disclose one's identity. So, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm almost free to go out in public now um, because my identity is somewhat kept secret anyway. Um, but that's where it came from, was uh, really a bad decision in a hungover state uh, the day after that preliminary final. Uh, and that was really the genesis of what is now the Phantom. And, mate, there's been a lot of vicious rumours circulating over the last week since you've made your reappearance. I was told the other day that you were dead, that apparently your children were doing this for you in memory of you. Turns out you're alive, you're kicking, you're still getting around South Sydney. Another rumour I heard was that in 2014, uh, you actually got a call from Michael Maguire, the head coach of the Bunnies. Is there is there any legs to this one? Look, that, I, I understand. Um, well, I can't confirm any direct contact. But a call was made to uh, some people, and their people rang uh, rang the Phantoms people. And um, yes, we we were requested to provide uh, a rabbit on the road out the front of Michael Maguire's house, um, which was out in the Maroubra area. Um, so you know, key heartland South Sydney territory. Um, and I remember um, doing that uh, rabbit myself uh, with my daughter. And uh, Michael McGuire wasn't home at the time, but his family were. And I think his, his young son, who may have been, I don't know, sort of six or seven at the time, I remember him at the window um, calling to his mother in the house saying something like what I can only imagine was, hey, there's these crazy people out the front painting the road. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah, good feeling. Yes, that's a, that's a somewhat true story, yes. And, of course, 2014, mate, you win the premiership, uh, unreal scenes. J- just run me through quickly, and, I mean, that that siren goes. What sort of emotions are running through you in the moment? How did the night play out for you? I, look, being the superstitious type, I, I, I had deliberately tried not to think about how I would react if we won. Um, so it was very much spontaneous. Uh, my reaction uh, was, I recall, you know, an immediate leap and hugging people. Um, initially, you know, my family members, there was really quite a crowd of us there together uh, on the night, but even strangers, uh, you know, and to their great credit, um, the Canterbury supporters who were near us at least, you know, were very magnanimous in defeat and congratulated us. So I remember it being, you know, a very spontaneous reaction. Um, and after the elation, I, I've got to say, I, I like um, what I can only imagine is um, a lot of South Sydney supporters uh, it came with tremendous emotion. I mean, there were tears and there was laughter, but um, um, tremendous relief. It, 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 it really capped off a, a hell of a couple of weeks, um, you know, with the semi that we talked about and then the, 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 the pressure of grand final week and the pressure of the day itself. So there was an element of relief, but tremendous emotion. And I was just, uh, I was just so proud. And it did take me back to, what at that stage was a very distant memory of, um, you know, the 70 or 71 grand final on the black and white TV. So quite a time had passed, um, but I got to live it 
Um, that's something I'll never forget. And of course, mate, the Phantom. He then goes into hiding in uh, early October 2014. And I mean, that was seven years ago now. And you still, you cannot drive around South Sydney without seeing those rabbits on just about every road, especially in the mascot botany sort of area. I think we can sort of get a grasp on whereabouts you are from, sort of South Sydney heartland there. But, mate, they they, they won their game last week against the Manly Seagulls. And did you know at that point the Phantom was going to return? Was it the next day? Was there a public outcry for the Phantom? How did it all start again? There was some prompting, um, you know, People, people started um, started to the, the, the groundswell of discussion. You know what could happen with the Phantom return. The Phantom never really went anywhere. He spent his time uh, mainly collecting old uh, white house paint and storing that appropriately in the event that Souths may well make another grand final. So the Phantom can sort of see this coming. He's planning for it. Um, but yes, there was a real groundswell of uh, request. Um, and, you know, immediately after we beat Manly uh, in, in what I think was a tremendous performance that was a very good side, Manly, you know, we did very, very well to beat them. I think the game before against Penrith was, was probably the best game we played all season. Um, so, yeah, almost immediately after the Manly win, we, um, uh, we, 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 we started receiving requests, some via traditional methods, uh, you know, mail and notes stuck on the front door in the letterbox. But, uh, you know, the younger generation um, kicked off these Facebook, Instagram, whatever they're called, um, and there were requests filtering through to us that way as well. Um, so it was you know, a groundswell of requests that we, a tidal wave, a tsunami that we could no longer resist, and uh, we were back in action pretty quickly. Mate, I imagine as a South Sydney fan, it must be special, but just as a bloke that epitomises what South Sydney is, the effect that this has had on the community, it must mean the absolute world to you. I just... Look, as I said, I, I, I like the idea that we're doing something uh, that we don't have to do, and we're doing it for good reasons, not for bad. And you know, it's been a pretty tough eighteen months um, uh, with COVID. So, um, you know, I, I, I like the idea of just doing something you don't have to do, um, doing for the right reasons. Um, you know, not for fame and fortune, but but just to try and try and bring goodness, um, good vibes, and um, good juju. And I imagine, mate, there must be a few times when you are painting these rabbits out the front of houses and people come outside. Has there been has there been one standout person that you've spoken to this year that was just full of excitement or like one of those sort of moments like that that just kicks you in the right direction yeah. to know you're doing a good thing? There are, there are, you know, fathers and sons and, you know, mothers and sons and daughters. Um, you know, often the, 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 I guess I get the most kicked out of um, the reaction of things that the little kids, the sort of six, seven, eight year olds who, who don't really quite understand uh, what's going on. But what they do know is that there's this, um, there's this brilliant white rabbit that wasn't there yesterday that's there now. Um, and just seeing their face, they're so excited. It prompts questions and discussions. Um, you know, but equally the standout one for me was, um, there, there was a, a really quite elderly couple, I think in their eighties, um, in and around uh, the mascot area just the other day uh, who went to the trouble of um, dressing up in all this gear. Um, they must have uh, got somebody to take a photo of them standing over the rabbit we'd done and, and then they, they cleverly, these 80-year-old people, found a way to post that um, to social media. Um, so I think that's a good indication as well that we're, you know, we're covering quite the age range here um, and that's goodness. Mate, it's starting to get a bit of a storyline going to it as well. I mean, I know that on my rugby league page, I've had a few videos sent in to me of actual sightings of the Phantom himself being chased away by cars, jumping over fences. It's, uh, mate, it's starting to get a bit of a, uh, you know, a, a bit of a cult hero following. Is that right? Yeah, he's, he's obviously still got, um, still got some pace off the mark. Has he? He's, um, he's still got a right foot step and a palm, and he's still agile enough to get over the odd fence. So. You know, a phantom forever and, and rabbitos forever. Mate, you must be uh, obviously it's twenty twenty one now, seven years ago since the last time. If they're uh, if they're back there in twenty twenty eight, you must be a little bit nervous. I'll um, I'll be here for it. Uh, you know, God willing, fingers crossed. Um, you know, and if we do get back there, whether that's next year or seven years from now, uh, I'll be up for the challenge. Um, but in the meantime, the phantom's planning. Um, you know, I, I think you said earlier people have me uh, written off as dead, so a bit of a weekend at Bernie's thing. But I've rest assured <laughs> Phantom fans that um, Phantom fans that there are, you know, I've, I've made um, I've made plans um, for um, other people to assume the mantle. 
something does happen to me. Um, actually, talking about sevens, it's seven years since we won the comp. I think it's also 50 years since we won the 71 grand final. I hadn't thought about that until just now. So another another call out. Is that a bit of juju coming through? Won the comp in 2014 when I when I turned 50. And this year is 50 years since we won the 71 grand final. So, hmm. The mathematics of it all—it's all coming together, mate. Uh, I can obviously hear you got some hungry dogs in the background there to feed, so we will let you go. Uh, we really do appreciate your time, and I'm sure you've got a busy week ahead of you. I'm sure you'll be pounding the pavement once again tonight. Uh, the the support that people are giving to the Phantom is unbelievable. I know you've got a couple of hundred requests for rabbitos around the area, so busy couple yeah, of days, I, mate. And we uh, I, we wish you all the very I, best I, I, for Sunday. I'll just finish with, look, I think we've done more than 100 now. We still have 100 requests wow. to satisfy. I might just call out, look, I'll, I'll, I'll um, I encourage people to, to please, please, if, you, if, if you're if you lucky enough to get a rabbit, I'm not sure we'll get to everyone on the list uh, this week, but whack some money over at South Cares. Um, you know, if you're feeling the need to give, um, do it that way. Um, no need for beer, um, no need for recognition for the Phantom, but please jump onto South Care and make a donation. Thanks for the call. Thank you for your time, mate. We appreciate it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.